It's time for the Masters of the Universe Chronicles commentary, focusing on a classic episode as we join the hosts, Chris Vint and James Etock, and hear their thoughts on their chosen episode. Hello and welcome to another Master of the Universe Chronicles commentary. Um, obviously, as you know by now, and if you don't, you really should, that we cover an episode to do with the Filmation one at the moment, and hopefully we'll branch out to other episodes and other formats like She-Ra and the 2002 one. I'm sure my co-host, Jamesy Talk, will get me to do the New Adventures one, even though I've never watched them before in my life. So, hello to you, James. Hello. Yes, the new adventures is something uh, that would be worth watching. I think doing a commentary for a, an episode or two, I believe. But it depends, you know, because obviously the the point of these commentaries is that people have actually bought the box sets. I'm not sure anybody other than three or four people actually bought the uh, new adventures box sets. That's any problem. <laughs> we're doing a being a, doing a commentary for like three people. Oh, brilliant! So that would just be everyone who owns them. Go like go out and buy this and spend so much money on eBay for them. But uh, yeah. what episode are we going to cover today, then, sir? We're doing the first episode of season two of He-Man and the Monsters of the Universe: uh, The Cat and the Spider. I always love the way you decide to bring your own little voice, the cat and the spider. Yeah, I don't know where that comes from. <laughs> <laughs> Nor do I, to be honest. Between that and your posh voice as well, which is just, you know, an episode 35. <laughs> so are you good to go then, sir? Yes, let's do the uh, the countdown of all countdowns. Okay, three, two, one, play. Okay. It's another good episode done by Mr. Detelio. Larry Lawrence G. Dottilio. He's uh yeah, this was his uh first contribution to season two, and some would say one of the best of the series. Because it is very, very good. I am Adam, Prince of Eternia, defender of the secrets of Castle Grayskull. This I should just make mention of the uh altered season two intro. Uh, um basically they replaced uh the House Sutherland title card with um a shot of the sorceress Orko Man at Arms as the three others who know the secret this was done just uh, primarily because House Sutherland had either moved on from He-Man or gone on to work something different within Filmation um, so yeah that, that was uh, the, the following shot afterwards of the sorceress transforming into from Zor to the sorceress was also re redone mm -hmm. so yeah, those yeah. were those two shots don't worry, I'm not going to do that. We're going to do this for every uh, season two episode. <laughs> Just with this being the first episode of season two, that's why Jim's decided to reiterate the fact. Yes, yes, it's probably best to. And for any new listeners, of course. Exactly, exactly. Okay. In 1984 instead of 1983 down the world. That's correct. Here we go, the cat and the spider. Heavily, heavily released in the UK on VHS. Heavily released. Oh, I've yeah. never seen an episode. It was it had its own volume. It was released with The Littlest Giant. It was released... I lost count of how many times, but um, here we see Malakfa, who Larry Dottilio had introduced in House of 1 and 2, and brings him back for The Cat and the Spider. I was like Malakfa as a character, I thought he was uh, just a really, really good character, well-rounded yeah, yeah. as well. Great voice by um, Alan Oppenheimer, very gruff, slightly, like, slightly gruffer than Man at Arms. You could tell Malakfa had seen a lot in his life. Almost looks like an evil orco there. Yeah, it does. Yeah. The funny thing, I remember um, seeing the storyboards for this episode, and they are so weird. 
weirdly different. Weirdly different. That's the, the phrase I'm going to go with. <laughs> the character designs and everything are just so strange. And there's um, actually, I'll talk about this little scene first before I talk about the French adaption of this uh, in comic book form, which was the weirdest thing I've ever seen ever. Whoa, my life has gone down a uh, a pit there. That can't be good. Found this bottom. I always love this scene with uh, Prince Adam. No time for a rope now, because I always say it's the transformation that actually drowns out the music. You listen to the how loud the lightning is. That is quite loud. Well, it's the fact that all you hear is like the last bit of the music as he, you know, he yeah. brings the soul down. It's like. Da -da -da -da. But um, this is a great little action scene. It's, it's worth bringing out He-Man just for this scene. He-Man saves the day. And actually this is the animation of He-Man picking up Teela, but they've replaced him, her with Malakfa. Another bit of rotoscoped animation, by the way, was the picking up thing, which they'd uh, obviously filmed and then animated over. I love that. That's one of my all-time, the, the old, uh, it becomes a bit of a running joke in She-Ra, but uh, where's the prince? He's safe. Well, I didn't. I didn't say if he was safe or not. I just wanted to know where he was. Yeah, because when it is like, oh, he's safe, and then never go like, yeah, you say safe, but define safe. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, he's um, having a picnic with Cringer. <laughs> um, the French adaptation. I was just kind of uh, talking about before the transformation sequence. There, the um, I believe. Sorry, I hope it's a French adaptation. Um, there was uh, um, oh, interesting painting on the wall there of like a giant snake and a warrior with a shield battling with an axe. Very uh, interesting architecture around this temple. That's actually one of the best things about this this scene is it's so atmospheric and action packed, and all he's doing is walking around a temple. Um, the French adaptation had some of the weirdest things ever. Um, for this, they'd adapt certain episodes in comic book form, and one of them was this episode. Not only did they redraw everybody looking very strange, uh, Malakthor in one, one sh panel had green skin, which kind of gives you an idea of where they were going. Um, and um, there's <laughs> Skeletor in one panel hasn't got his hood on anymore. Webstore's, I think, green and pink. And the final shot of the panel <laughs> of the story, because it like, ends at Act 1, is Battlecat flying. So, <laughs> Battlecat flying? Out of Castle Grayskull. It's an amazing scene. <laughs> I was like, why is He-Man and Battlecat flying through the sky? I just think. But the um, interesting thing about this is that this is obviously a Larry Dottilio episode. So, and the imagery for this central temple, like with the uh, slab in the middle, is actually from House of Shikoti Part 2, which was obviously... Yeah, whenever they're like tied up. That's right, when they're being sacrificed, um, He-Man and Ram-Man, and the Sleeping Beast appears, this is pretty much, in certain images, the same as. Just, well, they just would have reused the background. This is a very evil, evil creature. I like how, kind of, you know, attacking it is, and He-Man kind of digging his fingers in there. And also, they, they do a good job here. It's like, how, how do I... Uh, how do we f kill kill off the creature without you know killing it? And it kills itself. And as He-Man says, it turned back into a statue. Very cool visuals in this. Mm -hmm. I Sorry, I'm getting wrapped all up in yeah, this. I think the one of the funny things is um I don't think it's that apparent in this episode, but season two they the filmation artists working on He-Man had kind of um. It's safe to say, over 65 episodes, especially the animators, had really got an understanding of the characters. 
So starting with at least the first few episodes of season two, you see a shift in style. It's still filmation, it's still stock, but there are certain shots, the way He-Man is drawn, the way uh, Skeletor is drawn, there's like a certain outline. And uh, it's just where the animators were getting more and more, you know, that's stock. All of this is stock you're seeing at the moment. But um, they got like a certain, you know, look to the characters that they could really, really hone, especially in like an episode like the arena, where there's quite a lot of new animation. Or um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, or even something like the problem of power. There's mm-hmm. just a lot of uh, examples of season two, the budget had gone up. Now King Poor, in the script, he's described described as regal but somewhat comical. I think they it's fair to say they got that uh, rather well. Also, here's a, a little one that I don't think people have spotted: the um, all the backgrounds, including the throne in this scene. Um, if memory serves me correctly, are from the um, season one episode. Only a few episodes before, but a previous season, uh, the Huntsman, and this was Baron Grodd's castle. All oh, right. So it's quite funny because his throne has got a cat emblem on, but that was from Baron Grodd's castle. It just happened that they reused it, and it seemed to, you know, fit perfectly. And here we get one of the best guest characters ever of the series. It's just a shame she was never ever used. Another Larry Tatilio creation that never became an action figure. Yes. There, there um, King Paul mentions the whiskers of Saz, and I think we've heard in various interviews that I believe Saz was um, the name of Larry Tatilio's cat. And if I'm trying to remember, and also Whiskers of Saz is used as a, um, you know, by the Whiskers of Saz was used in the She episode Magic Hats, which was written by J. Michael Straczynski. So it's something they, uh, you know, I love, I love the idea that there's an Ethereum race of cat people that also use by the whiskers of Saz, like the cat guard or something. <laughs> Almost sounds like a saying, oh, by the whiskers of Saz. Yeah, it's, oh, yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it just, it works so beautifully. I like this, this is just a cringe complaining. We, this is some room we, we very rarely see, we see it in, um, oh, what's the season two episode? A Bird in the Hand, when Malak, um, another Malakthra episode and Stanlon from House of Shikoti parts 1 and 2 comes back and we see this room which is like obviously the uh, is that the one where Oracle was dusting that's the one yeah and he's dusted yeah. this uh, this well object objet d'ars around this very room and here we have like a very strange this is Webstore and the first season 2 character the first new toy to appear it's a great introduction for the character, but the weird thing is that they never follow up on is this insulting relationship between Webster and Skeletor. Mm-hmm. It works so beautifully, but sadly they never ever follow it out. Webster just becomes another bad guy. You will see Katrina attack her, like invading the royal palace. There's a great, you know, this is a pun. There's a great cat fight coming up between Taylor and Katrina. I like the way Tina's trying to gain leverage to uh, throw her over, and uh, as of course Linda Gary proving that she's she was one of the best voice actresses around, voicing both Katrina and Tila at the same time, but with two completely different voices. Mm-hmm. And John Irwin, the voice of He-Man, voicing uh, Webster. I was never a fan of Webster's voice. Oh, I loved his voice because it was it was basically Squinch, but a bad version. <laughs> Interesting in the script, I think there's um this bit where he says, Cringer, we got work to do, is it? It's coming up here. Yeah, apparently in the um originally in Larry Taylor's script script Prince Adam's got his sword ready there. I can't remember if he transforms but 
it's he's got the sword of power ready as he says we've got work to do so it's like oh we know what's going to happen it's just a really weird thing as well coming up we see Webster's escape vehicle which is a wind raider with spider legs <laughs> which is it's so bizarre because one thing I, oh and the, and the talon fighter oh, I, I wish the talon fighter had been used more but yeah. the weirdest thing about the wind raider with uh, spider legs is that there's this another episode the gambler has a, a pimped up wind raider <laughs> pimped um, up yeah if you go and look at the gambler um, Mel Bragg the, the villain of that episode has um, a wind raider You'll, we'll do a commentary for that at some point and he has this beautiful looking wind raider and in the, in the um, I don't know if it's in the script but in the uh, model pack that shows all the model sheets it says it's he's got like a you know I don't think they use the word pimped up, but it is like pimped my ride. <laughs> He's basically got a, a really lavish, glamorous Wind Raider. And if you notice here, every time Katrina talks, she's got the wrong background. <laughs> she's supposed to be the Royal Palace. Oh, yeah. Every, I think it's only, I think it might be only for those shots, but every time That's she... That's like a blue background there at the side. Well, it's, yeah. it's, it's a background from the temple, and I think primarily it's used in the, um, the moral segment from the end of this episode, where she's... Oh, they fixed it now. <laughs> But the funny thing is, you, many people would watch that and be like, well, how could they make that mistake? Surely the guy operating the camera would go, well, that's not the right background. But you've got to realise the guy operating the camera is just looking at instructions. I've got to use background 72, puts it in. Because the storyboard artist would, has obviously mistakenly put the wrong background number. And, uh, uh, just... Yeah, I think there's a bit in Secret of the Sword wherever He-Man's talking to Shira and the background, and they're it's in the... Whispering Roots, and then there's a different background there. That's right, it's in... Um... What episode is that? Reunions and um, yeah, she, she, every I think it's when He-Man's talking. It's whispering words. When She-Ra talks, it's the fright zone. Yeah. The the, the and it's like really jarring. Cause it's like this beautiful moment between the two characters, and all you can think of is bad background. <laughs> <laughs> Katrina is such a good character. I mean, um, uh, in the they did basically. Um, J. Michael Straczynski was a proper like, you know, like Larry Tillia and Robert Lamb. They wanted to you know give uh, continuity to the series instead of just writing one off episodes where this happens or that happens so J. Michael Straczynski wrote um, a season 2 bible in which he listed all these characters that should come back like Negator and uh, Count Marzo and including Katrina as well and it's just a shame that they, none of the other writers brought her back for like the 1985 batch which was the remaining 32 episodes of the series I just love the uh, the character of Katrina, not only not only in design, but just the the whole mannerism. It's just some. It's just not really anything you've seen in the series before. No. Skeletor reading, which you don't particularly see that often. Oh, and that's he man a, just walks on in. Yeah, that's a Larry Dottilio trait, isn't it? If you go to quite a few of his episodes, a character reads because he likes the heroes to or villains to research. Yeah, the likes of the Grandmere episode, whenever they have to go to the yeah. library. The Dragon's Gift. He does it in House of Shikoti Part One, where they read in a book about, you know, the map, and there's a lot of reading references in that. Where are you, so I like this little physical confrontation between uh, He-Man and Skeletor. He-Man leaps at Skeletor. It's not often you see the two engaged in physical combat. It's always done with lasers, and you know, but there He-Man's like, "I'm gonna get you, Bonehead." And Webster comes. Webster's quite strong, you know. I love, and the other thing as well, Webster is like they really emphasise the spider aspect of his character because he's hanging a lot. Whereas in the rest of season two, he's just like, oh, there's Webster. The other, 
Cobra Car- Khan's dumb friend, which is, you know, because they they work really well together. But Cobra Khan, just... do you want to get? Do you want to correct that, sir? Oh, sorry, the double K. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's an interesting little bit of uh, visuals here that is so quick that you can miss it. It's basically what happens is, I think laser beams start getting fired at the Wind Raider, and Teela cracks a head off the dashboard. But it's so quick you barely notice it. I don't know if let's have a look. She, yeah, she actually bangs her head. I think it might be on that giant orange thing on the Wind Raider. So that's why she's unconscious and uh, Katrina's not. I also like the way that before Katrina was like, oh yeah, I'll work with Tila. Then she actually kind of cares for her in this scene. So yeah. it's a nice little moment. But um, yes, yeah, it's. it's the, you know they they may obviously they they make Tila unconscious because you know Larry Tila wants um, Katrina to be the star and for this relationship to start blossoming, which is an amazing relationship. Hello, because yeah, you don't really see Balcat interacting with a lot of characters. Well, that's the, that's my one problem I think with um, many of the writers for He Man is that they never gave Balcat that much material. The the best writer who actually dealt with Balcat was. Um, uh, I believe it was Douglas Booth who wrote uh, Valley of Power, which is the Battle Cat episode. He talks, he walks, he does a lot of a lot of interaction. He is the, pretty much the star of that episode, and it, it proves that you can make Battle Cat into a star. But often he was obviously He-Man's sidekick for the obvious reasons. Yeah, just basically used him as another vehicle, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was always good when they made him talk, but some writers wouldn't involve with that, and you'd be like, oh man, Battle Cat was silent. There's Katrina on Skeletor's throne. But, um, yeah, Webster obviously using his, his grapple like you know, using it in attack. And as the s- series would go on, he would use it as a weapon to kind of tie up a villain. Interesting shot of the throne room there. We see it from like a you know, really high angle. Because we've seen Skeletor's throne room in like many episodes, but that's the first time we see it, you know, from a, a high angle. Oh, in this background, go and look at game plan from season one. This is Negator's base of operations. Huh? But here we see. And, <laughs> Oddly, it's the same setup. He-Man's in uh, yellow prison bars that he can't get out of. And Battle Cat, if I remember rightly, turns them turns off the the bars in exactly the same way. He uses his tail. Yeah. So he does exactly the same in game plan. Does that. Good work, Battle Cat. This is just like game plan. Oh, it's <laughs> very cool. <laughs> I love this. This is oh, the the Gromalkin is a such such a good monster. Roars, just menacing. I love the size of it as well. And Skeletor's like, oh, better walk backwards. It's like Skeletor saying, you must obey me, you must. <laughs> I must escape. <laughs> I love this shot as well. All they do is just, it's an easy effect that, but it's, it's just really effective. It's just the character, the, the monster roaring, but because they crossfade each frame, it looks like the monster's growing, which it's supposed to be doing. And we get a beautiful, this is a, such a beautiful panning shot. This is one piece of animation I wish I could own. Look at that. With the characters awesome. on the, it's really, really beautifully done. He man hugging Teal there, very rarely seen. The creature comes crashing out the side of Snake Mountain. It's just awesome. They must go through some repairs in Snake Mountain. <laughs> if you look there, Katrina walks up to He man like she's about to say something. She clearly is, because she goes up to him, and puts her hand out. He says, "What does it take to stop that thing?" And in the script, she says, "It can't be stopped," which is obviously what she's about to say there, but yeah. uh, it doesn't. It doesn't happen. 
And it's, it, I love, you know, I might mention this before, it's um, like in, in Temple of the Sun, I always remember the science lesson that, you know, you heat up glass, um, heat up sand and it turns to silica, you know, you get glass. In this one, it's all about, is it uh, salt and moisture laden clouds, which I think is a great phrase. <laughs> the salt deposit is just what we need. Use your freeze round. Here we go. Forgot to say please. <laughs> That's just... It's like... That's, that's the beautiful thing. He-Man is supposed to be an educated fellow, because obviously Prince Adam, you know, he's he's no halfwit. Let's go through... Battle Cat shaking. Yeah. There's a bit in the script as well there, was uh, Battle Cat says thank you to Katrina. You think, oh, Battle Cat, you should have said thank you. But he did. But they just cut it out for time. No There's worries. a re really cool action scene coming up, but... In the script, it was actually staged slightly different. Larry Dottilio had He-Man use one hand with the sword in, of power in one to absorb the lightning, and his other hand to jet, to th throw the lightning out, as it were. But thankfully, I prefer this, where he's got both yeah. hands on the sword. It just looks so much cooler. And actually, that overhead chop he does, where he generates the lightning, was actually from um, House of Shikoi Part 2. Larry Dottilio again. Did it work? And the episode, uh, you know, wraps up quite nicely, but, uh... There we go, see, it's all, it all ties in. I, I like Malacta's apology as well, and, uh, it, I, I don't know why, it's, it just seems quite genuine. He apologises, she apologises for mistrusting the, uh, the Eternians. Yeah, it's just nice that, that, they do that, you know, like, at the end of the episode, you know, they tie up all the loose ends, but, you know, they make sure that the kids know that... Everyone gets along in attorney, you know. I just think it's, it's done better in this episode. It just feels... Because sometimes it does feel kind of forced. You're like, mm, I don't believe the character could change that much, or I don't believe that friendship could go that way. But uh, in this in this one, it actually works really well. Because she's not a bad character at all, mm -hmm. Katrina. She's just like, you know... She, she's got a job to do and wants to do it, and the Eternians are in the way. And, of course, we get the uh, lovely ending here. Okay, give a little kiss. Should mention that it's... Um, Episode was one of three that was released on, as it was released as part of the director video movie Skeletor's Revenge, where it was okay. it was it was pieced together with um, I'm trying to remember Trouble in Troller, and was it Cat the Spider, Trouble in Troller, and Day of the Machines. Those were the three episodes they they combined, and that was a promotional tool for the um, 1985 batch of episodes. Because at the end of that special, He-Man says there are 32 brand new episodes on the way. So this was. Um, which is quite weird when He-Man starts talking about his series, um, but yeah, so that that was uh, that was yeah Skeletor's Revenge, and they had like little bits either side of it to talk about, you know, the episode at the end because at the end of that, for instance, it goes back to Snake Mountain and Skeletor's like, that, you know, foolish web store or whatever. <laughs> so yeah, that was uh, what Larry Dottilio is one of his finest moments, I think, in the series. It certainly was. So uh, another good episode chosen by yourself, James, with uh, this one here. Um, obviously, um, we were talking about Katrina and stuff, and she didn't show up in any other episodes. Um, so is that why you would rank this one so highly? Um, oh, yeah, almost definitely. I think um, if, if, you know, it's that thing where if a character reappears, it kind of... Uh you can kind of slightly damage the character overall. So, I mean, for example, like Negator from from Game Plan was never the the best character, but he was he was a great guest character. Um, and then he shows up in the 
awful Troubles medal name from season two, and he's just like a, a joke character. It's just like a terrible, terrible villain. I mean, that that whole episode is just bad. That ranks down there with the Star Child, and um, and yeah. So I, I'm kind of happy that Katrina only makes one appearance. And certain characters, you think well, maybe it's good that they did do one appearance. You know, don't don't overkill. You know, don't don't see that character all all the time. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's it's one of the one of the best of season two, without a doubt. Especially in the uh, action adventure genre, as opposed to the uh, character heavy genre. Okay. Well, thank you once again, James, for uh, giving us an insight on the cat and the spider. It's been a joy to hear some of the little comments that you made there. Now, so thanks very much. Thank you. It's been a, a lot of fun. See you soon. Yes, I will see you soon, and I will uh, hopefully see you all soon, um, whoever is listening. Thank you very much, and uh, until next time. In today's story, I made the mistake of not trusting the people of Eternia just because they were different. You can judge a book by its cover means you can't tell from the outside what something is like on the inside. And that goes for books as well as people. Not liking a person because he or she is a different race or religion is wrong. People should be judged for themselves. Right, Katrina? Right you are, Adam. Right you are. So long. Let the power return.